0: We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you on this first Sunday in December. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, come on. Although I got a bunch of Scrooges here today? Come on, it is Christmas time, people. I love it. I love the lights. I love the season. I love Christmas. I don't know if I love Christmas as much as my wife loves Christmas, though. She's kind of got a little bit of Clark Griswold in her. Our house, if you've ever been by our house, or even I don't know how many of you have ever taken the trolley ride that takes you around to look at some Christmas lights and Kalispell. Well, the trolley actually changed its route just so it could come by our house because that's how light obsessed my wife is i don't even i told her babe i don't even want to see our electric bill during this season i don't want to know what it is i'm a little scared to be honest to look at it our if you look at our house it glows you can probably see it on this side of the valley but i love lights there's something about lights in this season that just it just makes you happy It's just like it cheers you up. It does something good for your soul. It brings you hope. And um, this whole message series, and even really when you think about Christmas, I know that Christmas is a joyous time. It's a time where we celebrate the season and celebrate all that comes with it, family and friends and presents and giving and life and all those things. But the reality is, if you really look at the Christmas story from a biblical narrative, that Christ came in the middle of one of the darkest times in history. In fact, biblical scholars and theologians call it 400 years of silence. 400, 400 years of nada, nothing. No word from God, not seeing what God is doing, no miracles, no prophetic voices speaking, Nothing. We have 400 years of fill in the blank. 400. And I think in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that shadow that was over God's people, Israel, of not hearing God, not seeing Him, not experiencing Him, just like we did a little while ago in worship, wasn't that amazing? Aren't you grateful that we can experience the presence of God? In the middle of that, Christ, was born. Light came shining through the darkness and brought hope once again to a people who were hopeless, who were desperate, were searching for something to hold on to. And so this message series that we're going to explore, we're going to take you on a journey over the next several weeks leading up to Christmas through this message series called Hope in the Dark. Hope in the Dark. Sometimes God can show up in the most powerful ways in the darkest times. Amen. And so in the middle of this, now hundreds of years earlier, in a dark time in and of itself, God spoke through prophets and would speak to the fact that even though they were in the middle and experiencing some darkness, some hopelessness, some despair in their life, that there were prophetic words spoken to give them hope in the middle of what they were walking through, in the middle of darkness. And one of those prophets was the prophet Isaiah, who spoke directly for hundreds of years later, 600-something years later, of a light that would come that would bring hope to all men. And we're going to look at that passage today, and we're going to see how it, it can help not only them back then. I love the prophetic nature of God and his Word. That God could speak a word to the prophet Isaiah that would speak directly to the people that were going through darkness and despair right then, but could also speak to us over 2,000 years later, not only to people that when Jesus was born and came into the world would bring hope, but that here in 2020, 2020, come on, if there was ever a year where we've experienced and walked through darkness. Wouldn't it be 2020? In fact, this Christmas season is a little unique, and every year I'd pray and ask God, hey, what do you, what do you want to speak to us during this, this season? And I thought, this is a little weird. Aren't we supposed to be celebrating light and celebrating you know, the goodness of God during this season? And God told me specifically that he wanted to speak to people who have been walking in darkness. That this year has kind of cast a shadow even over our celebration of Christmas where there can be like this shadow kind of, kind of glooming over the Christmas season that could get on us, that could get in us, and even walking through everything that we've been through. Um, this year, if we're not careful, along the way, we can pick up some things that kind of get in us and kind of cast the shadow in our soul. And the danger is, just like the Christmas season, is we could be so busy. We could have parties planned, gifts planned, that we could be so busy that we can walk through the season and never realize that God wants to show up in some very personal, intimate ways and bring hope in the shadows of our life. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The prophet Isaiah was speaking prophetically about the hope that would come. He says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. Look at the verbiage here. This is in the middle of a very dark time. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Is it possible, Isaiah? Is it possible, God, that in the middle of our darkness, God can actually enlarge our capacity to experience joy, to give us hope? They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, talking, referencing back to Gideon and the defeat over their enemies, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, a bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. God, what are you trying to tell us? He's actually saying that every battle that you fight, everything that you're going through is not wasted. That even through those things that God can use the very thing that the enemy tried to come against you to take you out for fuel for your fire, for your relationship with God. Fuel for passion, fuel for hope, fuel for joy, fuel for peace. Come on, is anybody here this morning that... What the enemy tried to use to take you out that God can actually use for fuel for your future. The next verse, he says, Now, speaking of Jesus, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, And peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty. Almighty will accomplish this. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word that was written thousands of years ago not only spoke and encouraged and brought hope to those today that were in darkness and despair, that today, this day, this day, December 6, 2020, God, that you could bring us hope today because of that word. Father God, we receive it And I ask that you would open every heart, every soul, to receive exactly what you have today. God, I pray that you would awaken hope in people today. God, I pray, Father, that we would leave this place, and for those that are watching online, God, that today you would challenge us, that you would awaken us, that you would convict us. And my greatest prayer, God, that you would change us, that we would not leave here the same that we came in today. Father, I pray that you would anoint me, anoint my words. I give you this time, and I pray that you would speak to me, and, and God, that you would accomplish what your will is for your word today. And now, God, I want to pray, and I want to ask you, church, pray with me for our nation. God, thank you for this great nation called the United States of America. God, thank you that we get the honor and privilege to live in this great country where we get to stand on the shoulders of the men and women who fought for our freedom. God, we thank you for the Declaration of Independence that that declared our freedom as Americans. God, I pray, Father God, that you would protect President Trump. God, I pray, Father, that you would give him wisdom. And I pray for President-elect Biden. God, that you would lead him, that you would guide him, that you would prepare him. Father God, I pray that if there's any darkness, any corruption, that you would bring it to light. Father God, that your truth would reign. God, that you would lead this nation back to you, one nation under God. We pray for a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. Sweep over this great nation once again, like you did in the days of old, like you did in Azusa. God, like you did... Um, in Toronto. God, like you did in Pensacola. God, like you did uh, in the Jesus movement. God, would you move on this nation once again? God, we are desperate for a move of God. We pray that you would move on this nation and bring revival and let it begin right here at Hope Church in this place, in this valley, in Montana, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen 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 come on give jesus praise he's good i love what he's doing i love what he's doing in our church in this season today i want to talk to you about coming out of the shadows out of the shadows the shadows represent something in our life they're are seasons when all of us and no matter where you are i believe that our journey is a faith journey of walking with god in relationship just like adam and eve walked in the cool of the day with god they began this beautiful journey of walking with god and for all of us who've known god and walk with god our faith is just like that there are times when we're high up on the mountain and we love those times. We love to live there. We want to stay in that place. Kind of like Peter and some of the disciples. When we have those transcendent moments where the glory of God shows up. Kind of like we experienced a little taste of that in worship this morning. When God shows up so powerfully and sovereignly and it's wonderful. It's kind of like when we first come to faith, we experience the fullness of God and, and we have so much joy and peace and everything just is wonderful. Like I come to church and they're playing my favorite worship song and I can feel God's presence so strong and I love it. I sing out and I'm so happy and I feel so close to God. Every time the preacher preaches, he's speaking just to me, the exact message I need to hear. In fact, he gives me a a scripture. He uses a scripture that God showed me earlier in the week. It just kind of confirms that I'm hearing God, walking with God, and I'm on the mountaintop. I go to a conference or a retreat, and it's wonderful I meet God there. And he does so much in my life, and I, I feel like I'm on the mountaintop, like nothing could go wrong. I get in the car and turn on the radio, and my favorite song is on. Every time I, I try to encourage somebody else, God gives me just the right thing to say. And it's so amazing, and we love those moments, and we love those seasons where we're on the mountaintop. And for many of you, maybe you're there right now, and I don't want to root for you, but I want to prepare you. Just like Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples when they came back from a ministry trip where he, God, Jesus sent them out, and they came back and they were so excited that they saw God move so powerfully in people's lives and, and that he used them. And Jesus said to them, hey, he said, be happy that you experienced this, but, but don't ever forget the true joy, the true joy that your names are written in heaven that no matter what you're going through, and then he went on to say that, that you're going to go to heaven someday, and then he went on to remind them, he said, listen, I know right now you're on the mountaintop, but I got to prepare you that things aren't always going to be this rosy. It ain't always going to be like going to Disneyland. Like faith isn't Mickey Mouse faith. If we want a real faith, you're going to have to actually go through some things and work out some things. And he said, he said I want to warn you that in this world... You're going to have trouble. But then he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, if you will continue to hold on to me, walk with me, I will lead you through whatever season of darkness, whatever season of shadows that you're going to be in, and you will come out the other side. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope around the corner, but you got to make it through it. And so now I'm going to fast forward. We read Isaiah 9, and and God gives Isaiah this prophetic picture. And then over 600 years later, in a period, 400 years of silence, of darkness, of a shadow being over the people of God. And now Jesus shows up and is born. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry. And he himself says this reiterating what Isaiah said and speaking to the fulfillment of that prophecy over 2,000 years later. Hope shows up. Light has come. He says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Now, the reason I bring this verse up Is twofold. Number one, you need to know that the things that God has spoken in the past, He hasn't forgotten. And Jesus is reminding them. what you were holding on to the word that I gave you in the dark I'm bringing to light right now just like today I believe the Holy Spirit wants to remind some of you no matter what you're going through the things that God spoke to you in seasons of light you got to hold on to in the dark and it's those things that bring light to you and hope to you when you're going through a season of darkness when you're living in the shadow but this word living Actually, the Greek word for living in the shadow of darkness, it actually means to sit. That you get to a place where you're not just walking through it anymore, that somehow you begin to sit down in the middle of it. So let me paint you a picture. This is where the enemy loves to attack us. He loves to come to us in seasons of shadows and darkness. Now for some of us, a shadow can creep up on us and, and we don't even realize that there can be things that trigger it. You could go through an accident. You could get a phone call. Your health can be declining. It could be a hidden sin in your life. It could be something that, that a relationship that is broken. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be your work, whatever it is, but there can be a trigger that leads you into a season of shadow and darkness, but God never meant for us to stay there, but he uses it. There's purpose in it, and you and I were never called to get out of it. We were called to walk through it. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, as a shepherd, a shepherd leads, leads sheep through seasons of darkness and he uses his rod and his staff to, when, when they start to go astray, there's some things that he needs to teach them. There's some things he needs to guide them in. These are the seasons that if you miss it, you miss what God wants to try to do in the valley, you'll, you'll forget what to do on the mountaintop. The valley and those seasons of darkness are necessary, but here's the problem. When you get in those seasons, and all of us do, in fact, I would say they're necessary for your faith. And some of you, if you've never been in one, maybe you need to look at that, you, this is what can happen. I think because these seasons are uncomfortable, because they're painful, we don't like them. Instead of walking through them, we try to get out of them. And the way that we get out of them, if we're gonna be real, sometimes this is intense that that deep darkness that word deep darkness is intense darkness it's nights of no sleep it's nice when, when when you're wrestling with doubts of god where are you i don't see you i don't feel you i haven't heard you speak to me and what happens is when we get in those seasons we love the mountaintop but inevitably you're going to come down off the mountaintop and here's the danger of being in mountaintops They're so amazing, we think God is just gonna show up and meet us in that place. So what happens is we stop pursuing God, and we don't realize it, but little by little, God becomes distant, and more distant, and more distant. And we slip into this season of being in a shadow, and then we start to question, God, where are you? I don't see you, I don't feel you. We begin to have doubts, and our our journey begins to slow down. This is why some of our spiritual journeys, our our growth gets stunted. You get stuck. You you feel like, man, I, I was once growing in God, but now I'm not growing anymore. Because instead of walking through the valley, you start to sit down in the darkness. You start to sit in the shadow. And what happens if you stay there too long? Your doubts turn into disillusionment. In other words, there was a time where I used to know God and feel his presence and so sure of it, and God spoke to me, but now I start to question, was that even real? Because I don't, I don't see you right now. I don't feel you. I haven't heard from you. And I begin to question and doubt, which turns into disillusionment, and I don't even know, am I saved God, are you real? And if we sit in that place of doubt and disillusionment too long, now our doubts become disillusionment that become despair. Despair is the place where we lose hope. And we don't have hope for our future anymore. We don't even have hope that we can get out of that place because it's so dark and I don't know what to do. And, and because we don't know what to do and because the pain is real and it's, the darkness is intense, instead of seeking God, and this is, this is the first thing, if we're going to come out of the sh- shadows, the first thing that we need to do is we need to seek God. But instead of seeking God, we seek relief from the pain. Instead of walking through it with God, we hit the eject button and say, this is too painful. I got to get out of here. And I, I, gotta, I gotta get a fix because the pain is too intense. So I turn to drugs, I turn to alcohol, I turn to sex, I turn to, I turn to distracting myself with Netflix and, and social media and, and my life becomes somebody else's life and, and I get into this place where I just avoid that place because I don't wanna stay here, I don't wanna go there, but yet it's too painful to work through it. And the way that you get out of it isn't running away from it you you can't run from this place you actually got to run to god that's where you gotta go now when i graduated high school i was far from god i mean like far like partying doing all what i just described i had pain inside and darkness and shadows in my life that i had no idea what to do with i looked at the ceiling after being a partying all night two in the morning couldn't sleep had insomnia was depressed, had no hope for my future, stared at the ceiling saying, God, there's got to be more to life than this. And my dad, when I graduated, he just started actually coming to faith. And, and for part of my graduation present, he gave me a Bible. And inside that Bible was, was one of my life verses, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And we love this verse. I want to read it to you. And you're familiar with it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Now I'm going to pause right there. We love this verse. Like so much so that even when things are going bad or they're not going right, we're in a shadow. We'll quote this verse. We'll put it on our bumper sticker and we'll come to church and we'll, we'll just, hey, God's got a plan and a hope for my future and we'll pretend like everything's okay and that we don't actually have to deal with the shadow we don't have to walk through the pain we don't have to work through it the only way that you're going to start to come out of that shadow isn't by avoiding it isn't by escaping it it's when you actually face it with god you got to seek god now i went through a really dark phase of my spiritual life i had been saved for years walking with god god was moving in my life amazing and my wife and i had moved out to montana we started having a family. I had my own business at the time. And, um, and what I didn't realize is that slowly, I had become comfortable in my faith. And my comfortableness caused me to become complacent. And I stopped seeking God, and I started going through the motions of spirituality. Like, I went to church. I, th- I think I even read my Bible. I think I prayed but there was something missing like it was it was surface level it, it wasn't it wasn't real deep it wasn't genuine and I remember I was working on a Saturday at my business and I came home that afternoon and I kind of had an epiphany a man epiphany I'd call it it's like you know when you realize all of a sudden you're like hey I want to get in shape like, I haven't been, you know, working out in a while. I haven't been lifting weight. I haven't been running anything. Like, and I just want to get in shape. So I'm just going to, I'm going to throw on my yoga pants and I'm going to put on some sneakers and I'm going to, just kidding. I don't wear yoga pants. Um, <laughs> yoga pants. <laughs> I just decided I'm going to get in shape. And I thought like I could just put on some running shoes and I can go for a jog and it would be just like I was 18 years old again. And I got about maybe a quarter mile down the road and I am sucking wind. I am like, dear God, help me. I thought this is the big one, Mark. I thought, you know, I'm gonna, God's gonna take me right there. But I pushed myself, I did what any man would do. I'm like, I ain't gonna be, wind. I'm push myself. And I probably pushed it a little bit too, too far and ran a couple of miles, came back to the house and man, my heart was just racing. And you know, that's pretty normal at first, but then there was about a half an hour that went by and it wasn't just racing, It, it was skipping beats. And it would like speed up and then it would stop, like just pause and then it would speed up again and go slow and it was doing all this stuff. And I freaked out. I mean, I was sweating bullets. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I was gonna die. And it it triggered a panic. I never had a panic attack before, but it triggered a panic attack in me to where like, I literally was freaking out. I had to go outside, I couldn't catch my breath. I thought I was gonna die. And I couldn't sleep that whole week. Like I probably got three hours sleep that whole week. And you know what happens, especially for me, if I don't get sleep, then things become even darker. Like shadows become stronger, darkness becomes stronger. And you start thinking, all, and the enemy starts jumping in and telling you, feeding you these thoughts that, that you're, you're going to die and all this stuff. And I'll never forget my spiritual, uh, one of my spiritual dads and mom, they, they came over to the house. Mary Terrell called them. He's like, he's not doing good. And they sat on the couch, and they looked me in the eye, and they said, you're not going to die. You're going to be fine. You're going to make it through this. And even them saying those words, like, brought hope to me in that moment. But I was, I was jacked up. It, it like, ushered in the spirit of fear and anxiety in my life. And what it did is it woke me up to a reality that there were some things in my life underneath the surface that I needed to deal with. And I had a choice. What was I going to do? Was I going to try to pop some pills and just push through and make it through? Or was I actually going to seek God for my healing and what God wanted to do through that shadow, through that dark time? My mother-in-law told us about this ministry in Georgia. Um, it was a man named Henry Wright. And um, at the time, you, you went, and he had like this week-long retreat. And I, I went there for this week-long retreat. And I didn't get, I didn't get just like, God didn't bring healing to me like that. I would say it was more of a process. But it was a process of me, as I began to seek God more, and as I began to press into him, little by little, Throughout that week, God started bringing me hope again. He started bringing me peace again. I started getting some breakthrough of that. In fact, I got baptized at the end of that week because I wanted to, because I recognized God was doing something new in my life. And I thank God for what happened. It wasn't fun. It was like hell that for like a month. And even after that, there was times where I would still, I'd start to feel anxiety creeping up. Can I tell you a secret? Even sometimes just before I'm about to come up here and speak, I'll feel the enemy trying to bring anxiety back up to me and panic back up to me. And I have to just remember in that moment that in that season when I sought God, when I went after God, when I pursued God, God met me in the middle of my shadow, in the middle of my darkness, in my darkest day. God met me in that place. But I believe I had a choice, just like you have a choice. Are you going to seek Him? Or are you going to escape and run from God? Look at, look at this, this scripture. You guys can put that scripture up. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love that verse. But can I tell you, that promise, it comes with a condition. You want to know what that is? He says, then in verse 12, we love verse 11, but look at verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you what? When you seek me when you feel like it, when you seek me when I'm on the mountaintop, will you seek me when I'm they they played your favorite song during worship. Will you seek me when you come to church once a month? Will you seek me when you just crack open your Bible because you're going through something and now you need God? No. When you seek me with all your heart. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't casual faith. You want to get out from the shadow? The only way you get out from under the shadow is you seek God in the middle of it. You can't outrun your shadows. You have to run to the shadow of the Almighty. Man, somebody needs to write that down and hold on to it. You cannot run out of your shadows. You have to run to the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know that when this whole pandemic came down, that it was pretty scary at first, right? I think all of us would agree. None of us really knew what this virus looked like. We, knew, we didn't know the future. We didn't know how long we'd be shut in. We didn't know any of that. We didn't know how it would affect us economically, how it would affect us uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, none of that. Every day while I was stuck at home, I would walk around my neighborhood and I would memorize and say out loud Psalm 91, one through two, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I'll trust. In the middle of the shadow, you got to run to the shadow of the Almighty. It's in that place under his mighty hand, right? That I said, God, I trust you. I don't understand it. I don't see you. I don't feel you. But I choose to trust you. The second thing that you need to do when you're in the middle of shadow to get out of the shadow is you need to wrestle and embrace Wrestle and embrace. Wrestle and embrace. I love that when I read my Bible, I don't read picture-perfect stories of picture-perfect people. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. I can relate to the messy. I can relate to the broken. I can relate to the failure. I can relate to that. I can't relate. That's why when I preach to you, I try to be as real as possible because I don't want you thinking that I'm any more spiritual than you? Yeah, God has called me to be a pastor, but you walk through the same things that I walk through. And by the way, as as a pastor, I'm I'm not exempt from walking through dark times. I'm not exempt from walking through seasons of shadows. And I've walked through plenty in my life. I gave you just just a minute, an example of one of them. But even being a pastor, being called to a a higher call, man, talk about things that I had to work through and walk through. And, And those things are necessary for God to work in us and do something in us and to forge our faith in the middle of those seasons. But you got to be willing to get real about them. For too many of us, we, we just avoid it. We just... It's so easy in the 21st century to let in our Apple iPhone, iPad, iCloud, Netflix, social media culture to just get caught up in this world and live our life from here up and never allow ourselves to really embrace what's going on in our soul and it kind of just like we do when somebody comes over our house throw all the stuff in one room, lock the door, and don't go in there, right? You can look at all the pretty stuff out here and how beautiful my home is and how Pinterest put together it is, and I'll take pictures of my house to put on social media of all the nice things, but don't go in that room. You don't want to go in there. It's dark in there. There's a lot of mess in there, so we just avoid that room. We pick up everything else, but we don't go there. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Habakkuk. Say that three times. Habakkuk. Little known, minor prophet. In fact, there's only three chapters in the book of Habakkuk. You could easily scan over it and miss it. I love that the Bible is full of stories of people who went through dark times. Show me. Show me anyone who hasn't. Show me that anyone that God used, come on, Abraham, that you're called to hope, In spite of hope, like when all things look hopeless, that you're called to hope. When I gave you a promise that you're going to have a son, but 25 years where you don't hear nothing, you don't see anything, there's nothing being birthed, there's no life being born, I called you to a land that you don't know where you're going, that's dark. Come on, how about Joseph? Come on, he was in two places of darkness. He got thrown into a pit by his brothers. Shadow thrown in jail later on he gets out oh life's good again i'm back on the mountaintop i'm working for potter for things are going good well guess what now you're back in jail now you're back in a dark place what you going to do now he didn't just stay there he let god do something in him in those places come on how about king david David ran for his life. Yes, you're going to be king of Israel someday. Awesome God, mountaintop. I'm going to be the king of Israel. Yes, now you get to go through seven years of hell, darkness, holed up in a cave, wondering, fighting for your life, running for your life. And in the middle of that, David gets real with God. He wrestles with God. He embraces the place that he's at. And because he's willing to wrestle and embrace the shadow, God brings hope. light and life in the middle of it. Let me tell you, this is the place where faith gets real. This isn't Mickey Mouse faith anymore. This isn't yay, kumbaya, God, you play my favorite song. This is, man, I've got stuff inside that I can't even describe. I don't even know what's going on, but I've just learned to work around it in my life and I have never really allowed God, I, I've never wrestled with God about it. Habakkuk means he who embraces or he who clings. To wrestle. Look at this, you gotta get this. To get dusty. It means that I'm, I'm willing that in the middle of sitting in my darkness, I'm willing to wrestle with God about my doubts, about my disillusionments, about my despair. That I'm willing to get dirty in the weeds, in the ground, in the dark place, and I'm willing to work it out with God, to wrestle with God. And this is where he works it out. But you got to be willing to embrace God, cling to him, wrestle with him. This reminds me of Jacob. Jacob, all his life, his name actually means, I call him jacked up Jacob because this guy was a problem. Yet God called him. He had this amazing destiny on his life. And, and, and he has this dream where he sees angels ascending into heaven and God speaks to him. And his name actually means deceiver, liar, trickster. That's his shadow he had to live with all his life tricked his brother. He manipulated every situation that he was in to try to work it to his favor because he didn't actually trust God. And he did it all his life. And then there's this moment where now he's running from his uncle Laban because he tricked him once again. He manipulated a situation to try to control it. And he's running from his uh, uncle Laban, who he thinks is coming to kill him. And he hears that his brother is coming coming to confront him too. And he thinks he's coming to kill him and he's in in between this place. He's in between two mountains in the valley, and in the darkest of night, what happens? God shows up and confronts him, and they begin to wrestle. In the middle of the night, all through the night, in the middle of the dark, in the middle of his shadow, he begins to wrestle until there's this moment where he has to make a choice, and he chooses to embrace to, cling to, wrestle with God, through all that he is and thinks he is and who he thinks God is and they come face to face and he he says, come on, let me go. And Jacob says something that you got to get to a place where you decide I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to embrace God until we work through this together. Until I get out of this place, I'm going to wrestle with God. He said, no, I will not let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you change me. I won't let you go until you transform me. I won't let you go until I have hope rising up within me again. I won't let you go until I have a new identity. And the angel says, which is a Christophany, which means that in the Old Testament, when Jesus shows up and he says, no longer will you be called Jacob. for now on, you will be called Israel, Prince of God. He changes how he sees himself. And now he's got hope again. Jacob got up from wrestling and embracing a different man. Never the same again. Changed from the inside out. But you gotta be willing to wrestle through that. It reminds me, I love, um, there's, a, there's a show on Netflix um, called The Crown. Y'all, Any of you watch The Crown? The Crown is about um, Queen Elizabeth and her journey, and my daughter got me hooked on it. One day she was watching it, so I just sat down and watched it with her, and you know how that works. I just got, I got hooked. Now we watch it together, and it's our thing, but um, but I love that. I love that show. I love it because I'm a history buff. I love history. I love Winston Churchill, and there's there's a whole season where there's a lot of Winston Churchill, but there's this one episode where uh, when they want to paint Winston Churchill, so they They hired like this really prominent painter at the time, Graham Sutherland was his name in 1954 to paint a portrait of Churchill. And you've probably seen it, it's a famous painting. And um, it's funny because Winston Churchill was a a, a novice painter himself. Like he loved, that was a hobby of his, he painted. And so during one of the sessions while uh, Graham Sutherland was working on the painting, he kind of stopped him and you know, he's a man of power, and he's used to controlling things. And he was starting to feel a little anxious that he couldn't control how Graham Sutherland was going to portray him to the world. And he said, can I, can I just remind you that you are painting a portrait of the prime minister of the greatest country in the world, Great Britain? And, and he looked at him, he said, mm-hmm, and he kept painting. Well, Later on, they had a, a conversation in between a session of painting. And Sutherland really wanted to, his desire, was not to just paint this portrait of what people thought they wanted to see, this strong man, but he wanted to paint the honesty and the reality of a man who had been through war, through dark times. In fact, much of Winston Churchill's life, he dealt with depression, and nobody would really know that, so much so, deep depression so much so that he would call, he named his depression, his black dog. And this, this was always with him, hanging on to him. It was his shadow that he had to deal with his whole life. And the thing about it is, they had this conversation in between sessions and Graham Sutherland noticed that Winston Churchill had painted six paintings of this pond six different paintings of this pond that he had out in front of his house. And so curious to want to know what makes Churchill tick and um, why he painted, chose to paint his pond six times. He asked him, he said, can you tell me something? He said, what What made you paint that pond six different times? And Churchill looked at him quizzically and he said, "I don't. I don't really know. There's something about it that I'm just drawn to. I don't know, it's the coloring or... It's just something that I'm drawn to. And Sutherland looks at him and he says, because when I look at those paintings, what I see is deep darkness and despair. And in that moment, Churchill looked at him and tears started welling up in his eyes as he realized that he actually built that pond two and a half years after he tragically lost his daughter. And Graham Sutherland said something to him that I thought was so real and so profound. He said, I see deep darkness and despair under the surface of the pond. That stuck, that just hit me so hard. That under the surface, this man who was successful, that had led a country through wars and battles That below the surface that he was dealing with this deep dark depression that nobody knew about and was in that moment of realness and rawness i wondered how many of us are going through life going through the motions going through another christmas and we've never actually stopped to wrestle and embrace the darkness that is inside of us the shadows that are inside, that are below the surface. On the outside, With great. I'm gonna celebrate, I'm gonna go to the parties, we're gonna enjoy Christmas. But you could be in the middle of a room like this. Lights, joy, God's presence, and there could be a shadow in your soul. Isaiah 45.3 says this. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. Do you know that there are treasures hidden in dark places that you can only get by embracing and wrestling in those moments? Listen, I love mountaintops, but I've never seen a garden on a mountaintop. I've never seen beautiful things growing, harvest. I've never seen things come to life. In fact, things die on top of the mountaintop because you were never meant to stay in that place. Mountaintops are meant to see things, but they are in a place to live there. We live in the valley and we got to, willing to work out, embrace, and wrestle the things with God because it's in the soil of our soul beneath the surface that God is planting seeds of light and truth and hope that only could come to light in the valley. This is where faith gets real. This is where real faith is forged and we're willing to do that. The last thing that we need to come out of the shadows and we're going to worship together is we need to remember because we forget so easy. Here's the problem with being in a shadow season. In the shadow season, you begin to forget what God said in the light. Let me tell you something. Don't doubt in the dark what God showed you and spoke to you in the light. Don't doubt in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. That's why you need to write things down. I love that the Bible is documented of all the things that God said that we could read this prophecy today and take hope today, all this time later. Why? Because somebody took the time to write it down. In fact, God knows that we have a forgetting problem. I've got to forget it. I've got to write everything down. Man, I'd be I'd be lost without this little sucker. I gotta write down things in my calendar. I gotta write them in my notes. I, every time I don't preach, if Pastor Josh preaches, I'm taking notes. Because God is speaking to me as He's speaking to me. And and, and you gotta recognize that. God is always trying to speak to you. But here's the problem with that. You could hear something in a service like this and you could leave and you could go home and tomorrow morning when the reality of life hits you in trouble and that shadow tries to start creeping back up over you and come pulling you back into darkness, you've gotta go back to what God spoke in the light. And by remembering the truth of what God said in the light, you can get out of the dark, you can get out of the shadows, you can come out of that shadow. But you gotta remember, what God did, when you don't see what He's doing, you gotta remember what God did, what's done, is finished. When you don't hear God right now, you gotta remember what He said and what He spoke to you before. That's why, that's why I try to keep a journal. I'm not very good at it, ain't gonna lie. There's not a whole lot written in these pages, but there's a few things written in these pages. But I thank God that we get to peek into King David's journal. We get to look at the Psalms where he was raw, he was real, he wrestled, he embraced his doubts, he embraced his disillusionment. But I love that he always came to the right conclusion. Look what he says in Psalm 77, 1 through 2. He says this, Feel, feel the pain, feel the darkness. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. And when I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night in a dark season. I stretched out, untiring hands. You hear, David, I'm tired of calling on you. I'm tired of crying out for you. Why is it that I don't see you? Why is it that I don't feel you? Why don't you give me answers? I don't understand why I had to go through that. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't even understand your word to me. What is it? And I would not be comforted. That's a shadow. But then fast forward. A couple of verses later. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His right hand, that is the hand of power, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all your works, and I will meditate on all your mighty deeds. So for me, we're done, I just wanna share this. One last thing for you, because as I was preparing this message, I wanna share with you there's been so many times where I felt a shadow creep back up on my, my life, trying to pull me in to get me to sit down in that darkness. And when I get tempted to get in that place, I like to remind myself and remember what God has spoke to me in the light, what he's done, for me. And as a pastor, sometimes I don't, I can't share that with you when I'm walking through it. I just can't. I'm I'm called to encourage you, equip you, to speak God's truth to you, to help you to get out of seasons like this. But what do you do when you're the leader and you're in a season like that? And so what I'm preaching to you this morning isn't theory, isn't something that like I just, man, this would be a good idea to preach, this is something I've had to walk through. And I was reminded that when my wife and I were going through a shadow season, I'm just so grateful for the elders and the leaders of this church and for you that allowed my wife and I to take three weeks off and just to get our heads straight and to get out of that shadow. And when we began that journey, we stopped at our friend's church in Walla Walla, Washington called Life Church, our friends Bob and Kara Graham. And I'll never forget that service. For me, it was when I began to start my journey of coming out of a shadow. And I was standing in worship. I want to read to you my my journal account from that day. July 7th, 2019. Life Church, Walla Walla. Sang the song Highlands, the Song of the Ascent in worship. The song really ministered to my soul deeply. Reminded me that he's the God in the shadows, that he's no less God in the shadows. And I will praise him on the mountaintop, and I will choose to praise him in the valley. My spirit is lifted to the mountaintop, even though I'm walking out this thing in the valley. Today, I have hope in the middle of shadow. And Bob and Kara blessed us with a time of prayer over us and prophetic words that were spoken that brought me hope. And it reminded me, God is the God in my valley, in my shadow. And if I hold on to him, he's going to walk me out the other side. And I came today to tell somebody, today's the day you come out of your shadow. Today's the day. No longer do you stay there. Today's the day. Come on, today's the day you come out of the shadow and step into the light. So come on, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship to this song together. Would you just close your eyes for a minute? There's some of you that... I want to remind you that over 2,000 years ago Jesus came and was the light of the world. And yet even his light got dark. Jesus went through a shadow. There was a moment where he was hanging on the cross before he died. He was hanging on the cross because he loved you. He desperately wanted to break the barrier of sin so that he could have a real relationship with you. And he was willing to go through the pain. He was willing to go through the dark. And there was a moment where he hung on the cross, bearing your sin and my sin and the guilt and the shame and all my past, all my brokenness, all my failures. And he said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This cloud of darkness was over him the sunlight was gone and for the first time in his life he felt separation from the light the hope the love the peace the joy from God and with his last breath he said it is finished and in that moment the rocks began to break the veil torn to hope was released from heaven today some of you need to put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ today is your day of coming out of the shadows because today's your day of salvation and some of you you're holding back from god and you you've walked through some darkness and seasons well today is the day that the way that you come out is you surrender thank you for joining us for this week's message from hope church if you enjoyed this message you can easily support the ministry of hope church at hopechurchmt.com give Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.